All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Franco's World. I don't remember what number this is. This is 100 and something, but it doesn't matter because the only thing that matters is our guest today, my friend, Dean David. Dean, what's up, guy? Hey, what's up? I, okay, hey, guys. I'm the only thing that matters in this it, entire show. Exactly. You are here. You, you clicked on this episode for Dean. You didn't click on it for me. Uh, I met Dean, I don't know, April or whatever. I don't remember when I met you, but uh, I, I, there's no way in hell I would ever know that information. Like, yeah. Oh, you know what? We can always check our text messages. That's the only way. Yep, that's true. Dean, <laughs> I left. I left and Dean goes, what a weekend. And I go, great to see you. And then we just didn't talk for three months. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't matter because that's not how that's not how friendship works or connection. Right. Like that's people always say that people always say like, like, oh, we can we can not talk for a really long time and then pick up right where we left off. Mm -hmm. Like as yeah, like in, as opposed to doing what else? Like forgetting who they are and having to start over. <laughs> you know I mean? like, a like a couple of weeks go by and you're like, and then this lifelong friendship you've had for five years just is gone and you have yeah. to start again. Yeah, like we like you and I, the first time I met you, I was in New York for like three or four days or whatever. And like we essentially hung out almost every day by association. And then it's like a couple months later, I come back and it's like, we're supposed to be like, start the whole process over again. No, no. Yeah. I mean, it would depend on you. Like if I, it just, if people, you know, people have a overthink those things. I think, you know, like there's people who I know a guy that like the first time I met him, he came to my house cause he was, or no, I went to his house because mm -hmm. he's roommates with my friend and then we all became buddies. And then at some point my friend came over to my place and this buddy of his came over and he was really funny and like super cool and like the man and like, but then now, now he's like doing comedy and he's still cool. But like, I feel like he's a, uh, I, I don't see him the way that I was seeing him now. Uh. And I don't know why I'm trying to get it out of him. I'm like, come on, man, you've been to my house. Just like hang with me, bro. Is he like, is he trying to act weird because is he acting weird because you saw him in a different light first and now he's in this new light and it's like, different for him i honestly have no idea yeah. and that's why it perplexes me but it doesn't really bother me i'm just it's just an it's just an observation you mm -hmm. know sometimes i sometimes i observe things you're an observant fellow that's why you're a good comic because you're observant but our uh first hangout roughly in april we presume a uh, lot of fun a lot of fun and uh you showed me to a, a lot of like cool little spots in the city you you let me walk into some clubs and watch you perform and that was a lot of fun man and uh you also forced us to watch codename kids next door and i apologize for falling asleep in the middle of that mm. oh dude i actually forgot now that you've mentioned it yeah that was a letdown man you fell asleep at like the best part like the whole point of the watching it was for that part and then it's like you watched dude you just oh man well, Joey made it a whole cinematic experience because he had to pop popcorn and he had to dim the lights. Meanwhile, I've been traveling and I'm exhausted because I'm not used to the New York hustle and bustle. It's 1030 and I'm struggling to keep my eyes open. Yeah, well, uh, we're going to have to make that, you know, we're going to have to watch that again, by the way. I'm down. I'm down. But um, it all kind of comes together because I told you I had to tell you something about your appearance. Um and it has to do with cartoons and it's you have a very memorable look and it's the and it's the toboggan or the beanie or whatever you guys call it up there and the headphones you always rock the headphones like a cartoon and this is your signature look you know what i mean yeah. just like cartoons 
that guy from Coden and Kids Next Door wears the red sweater every time, you know? Yep. Cartoon characters uh, often are wearing the same clothes every single day. Mm -hmm. Did you draw any inspiration from that? Because I know you love cartoons. Yeah, no, I think I, I, yeah, I definitely can interpret myself as like an individual character. And uh, I totally, if I like, you know what I mean? Like, and I like to draw. So I feel like my whole, my whole life I've been kind of like designing myself in a sense. I wish I knew where I put it. I think it's in this drawer right next to me. I'm not positive, but you drew SpongeBob for me at a bar and it was really good. And I made you autograph. Oh yeah, I remember that. I I, I like that. I wish I, anyway. I know it's I know it's around here somewhere, but I'll uh it's not important. But uh yeah, man. So you've always been a cartoon guy. How did you come from being obsessed with cartoons, you know, drawing cartoons, watching cartoons, to wanting to be this performer? Oh man. Well, I liked to draw when I was a kid. And uh I I I made comic books and uh I made a comic book series in my like for my elementary school. Mm-hmm. And then I got a, a bunch of guys together and then we made a, a a series together that we would like hand out copies to like the kids in school. And then we had this one kid and and he was like, well, this is not even related to the question anymore, but we had this one kid and he was like a very nosy kid and we didn't like him. So I made a comic book of him like being the villain and he was like a giant nose and like, was a comic, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, like, like Captain Underpants kind of yeah. style of what I was going for. And then, uh, yeah, then we had a fight with this kid. He was the first kid I ever punched in the head. Jeez. It's true. It all came from art. So where there is art, there is pain. So, but in, in this case, it was his pain and my art. Yeah, um, yeah. But no, so I don't know. Then I in high school, or like you know, growing up, I liked I liked I liked uh, performing a lot when I was a kid. I liked theater, mm-hmm. and uh, very. I didn't have like a. I think it, I don't think anyone really paid attention to me growing up. You know what I mean? Like, if people paid attention, they probably would have seen ahead of time. Like, oh, this kid really wants to perform in some way. Like, I would go to like remedial. I would go to like I would get taken out of class because I'd be too much. Yeah. Like for people to handle, I'd be too much for the teacher to want to like, like, I don't even know what that means. Like I was yeah. just so excitable and so like energetic that teachers actually requested a break from me specifically. And they would send me to like a school therapist cause they thought something was wrong with me. And like, it's just like, nobody even thought at one point, like, dude, get this kid, like a script or something, like let him like perform something. Yeah. So, but then, so, you know, high school comes around and everybody wants to be a rock star. And so then you kind of play into that character. You're like, yeah, I want to be a rock star, you know, which is kind of, which is not, not true. Like who wouldn't want to be a rock star? No, people wanted to be like farmers where I was from. So I can't relate to the whole rock star thing. Really? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, being a farmer is cool too. You, you <laughs> own land and stuff, you know, yeah. and you get these cows. Yeah. You know, rock stars don't get cows dude they just get to have sex with the hot girls that's fucking I, stupid yeah i'd rather hang out with the cows all day but but continue you said everybody wanted to be a rock star in high school oh yeah i, I did definitely and uh axel rose was like my big inspiration <laughs> i loved axel rose nice and slash and like aerosmith and ma- mainly axel rose though like he was my first like celebrity like like holy shit this guy is the fucking man yeah so then but then 
tragedy ensued mm-hmm. in high school. Somebody died. He, a buddy of mine in a band, and he killed himself yeah, with a rope. And I saw his mom say goodbye to him. And brutal, man. I cried like a baby. And so same thing, bro. Same yeah. thing happened to me. Musician kid, musician friend of mine, unfortunately, uh, you know, met his fate in an unfortunate way. And uh, I wasn't man enough to bring myself to the funeral. But then the one year anniversary of it, I went to this candlelight vigil at his gravesite. And his mom, you know, just, oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. Shared experience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody there. It was weird, you know, like when you're at a high, like high school is like a weird social place anyway. So then when you're at like a funeral and it's like, this is real, this is not high school. This is not like, we're not going to be the characters that we are in front of each other in high school. Like right. someone, someone's dead and we're going to be, we're all really sad about it for real. It's just like a, one of the, I don't know. That's how I was interpreting it. You know, like it was such a weird moment. Yeah. But anyway, so basically Long story short, a series of things, my life being what it was, and et cetera, et cetera. I was a very depressed person, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what to do with myself. And I typed in comedy on YouTube when I was 17. Like, that's, that's how I discovered comedy. Wow. Is that I just typed in on, you know, on YouTube comedy just to see what would pop up. I'm like, because I was like, I need to laugh. Like, how do people laugh? Like, where does that come from? Mm-hmm. It's like comedy is funny. So I'll look up comedy and see if that makes me laugh. And so it was like, I, I was 17 and I was, I'm 26 yesterday. So nice. Happy birthday. Congrats. All that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So it's nine years ago, nine years ago from today. What was it? 2012, 2013. What is it? I can't do mental math. Yeah, me neither. All right. Well, you guys that are listening. Yeah, they'll do it. They'll figure it out. But yeah, so I don't know how old that was. But when I was 17, I typed in comedy. Louis C.K. was like very popular at the time. You know, like he's still popular. But I think that was like that was the period in his career when he was like going on the upswing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I discovered him and I was like, holy shit, dude, this guy is the fucking funniest dude ever. Yeah. And it like made me think because I, I had seen stand-up comedy before when I was in middle school and I just did not like it mm-hmm. I was introduced to it in middle school and my friend was really laughing hard at a, a person watch doing stand-up and I was like I don't understand why this is funny at all this person's not funny in any way yeah and then so all this but you know then I, but dude if, if I had just if I had discovered my love for comedy at that point in middle school like if, if, if it was louis ck that was on that screen or somebody else that would have made me laugh i could have been a comedian when i was in middle school you know like that's i really do think that i would have done it because the second i discovered it when i was 17 i immediately did it really i was just like holy sh-. yeah i was like well, that's how it, I, didn't, I didn't have a dream to be a comedian for a long long time it was like the second i wanted to do it i'm like okay i'm gonna do this tomorrow and then i never stopped wow I didn't see. I didn't know what age you started. I didn't know when you started. You're a New York guy, right? From Queens. Yeah, from Queens. Yeah, that's crazy, yeah. man. Well, I started when I was 17. For the first time, I did my first set was in an open mic when I was 17. Yeah. And then 
I didn't even know you could do open mics every day, like how everyone, like like a lot of comedians, they just go out every day and they just do comedy every day. Right. So like I was very new, so I didn't, I didn't even know you could do that. So I went, I waited a week and I went back to the exact same open mic. And uh, then they wrote, then the person that would produce the mic was like, hey, we have a bringer show. If you want uh, to bring people, you can perform. And I said, okay, which, you know, at the time is like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely. I mean, why would I not invite my friends? To absolutely. Show if I'm doing my first show. So I did. And I was, it was my third time performing ever. I did a show. And then I got a manager after that. And I was like, holy shit, dude. I'm like, I'm going to be able to do comedy. Like, Yeah, you're going to be a star. I've been hired by the manager <laughs> <laughs> and uh but i had a lot of anxiety problems mm -hmm. and uh a lot of fears i couldn't take subway trains <laughs> because i uh it's in real uh when i was 15 i got my very first anxiety attack it was just yeah. this tremendously awful just the worst thing i've ever experienced to this day was that moment Freaking out, not knowing why or how or how to make it stop. Going to a hospital. I took literally like nine shits, dude. I took nine shits. And I was freaking out the entire time. I was just fucking, I yeah. have no idea what to, what to make of that or me. Yeah. But like crazy. Just terrified. And so <clears throat> then that became an everyday thing. Like that, that anxiety attack. Because mm -hmm. I was afraid of it happening again. So it kept happening every day. Yeah yeah and then one day i was in a subway train and i was going to the city and i thought to myself wow it'd be the really it'd be the worst place ever to have an anxiety attack here because i can't get out of this place so then i got an anxiety attack because i was afraid of that thing yeah absolutely and then it was then i only had the anxiety attacks now on the train because to me it was like that's the worst place to be to have them because yes. it's like if i'm outside because it became a, it became a matter of control because when I'm outside, if I'm freaking out, my options are to go somewhere or be some with somebody and find a way to handle it. Yeah. So you're not a fan of airplanes or? Well, so, yeah, I have never been on an airplane. But July 31st of this uh, month, I will be going on an airplane. Oh, boy. Every time, every time I even say that sentence, dude, I swear to God, my, my chest tightens up because yeah. it's so fucking terrifying. Yeah. because of how it all became what it you know how i've how i've arrived at that point yeah you're afraid you're afraid of a fear that you don't know it's anxiety it's just this oh you have this black cloud above you you're like what is this and it terrifies you i know what you mean but it also began like i mean I've, i see it differently now because i'm different than i used to be so like now i look back and i'm like i was just really scared like mm -hmm. i was so scared i was shitting i was just like something that well i I hadn't experienced a lot of life. I think, I think, yeah. I think, I really think I was raised poorly, to be honest. Like I do look back now and I'm like, there's a lot of problems with how I grew up. Mm -hmm. So but with that in mind, it's kind of like my mentality now is just like, okay, just do the things that you say you want to do. And if you are afraid, it's okay to be afraid, but you get to like, you still, but it's if you're willing to conquer that fear or not. Like fear doesn't go away. I took a Xanax, dude, because I was like going to practice taking Xanax. So when I got on the plane, I can take a Xanax in case I need a Xanax. Yeah. And I practiced it and I took it. And all it taught me was that there's no magical pill that's going to like make me stop feeling anxious. Like, or, mm -hmm. or like, 
I'm not going to just turn it off. Like, it's not going to be like, oh, I'm not afraid anymore. It's over. Yeah. Never, I guess, you know. I, I know never. therapy has been a great help for me. And, uh, you know, I have a couple of new techniques that, like, I've, uh, I don't know, sort of, like, been informed about, you know, how we, like, so say you're about to get on the airplane. So you've spotted the fear that you have gotten on the airplane. You say, okay. I am a little bit afraid I am on the airplane. You acknowledge it. Then you stop it. You say, like, I say, I have to say out loud. This is how it helps me. I'll say, like, why am I afraid of this? There's no need to be afraid of this. This happens every day. People take flight every day. And then you swap it for, like, uh, you're, like, instead of thinking about me on this airplane, I'm going to think about I can't wait to get to my destination. And then it becomes more of an excitement as opposed to a fear. See, that doesn't help me because in my mind, you know, you're saying – People do this every day. And in my mind, I'm like, you know, people do a lot of stupid shit every day. Yeah. You know, I don't know if we should, I don't know if I should trust all people as the, as the basis of what is smart and safe. I would normally don't like seeing the pilot of the airplane. However, when I was in uh, Spain and I saw like these, like we were going from Spain to Germany and I saw these like German pilots and they were like in these turtlenecks with their legs crossed, drinking like this coffee like like a classic european person i was like i feel safe probably i feel safe with these guys you know i feel safe with german engineering what is it that made you feel was it the turtleneck maybe i think it was the turtleneck or just the fact that like they were so cool comma collected they were like okay well we fly every day yes there is comfort in other people's comfort Mm -hmm. well that that not to completely transition to stand up here and i know we have to get to that at some point but that completely goes with stage presence that pilot being so cool helped me feel calm some guys herky-jerky on stage screaming frantically you know the audience is going to be off put by that what's crazy though is that stand up for me at that like in my life it's the only time i've ever not felt anxious or anything right i never have a moment i'm all just a rush of energy and happiness, even when I'm bombing, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a different, it's a different like a uh, valley of life. You know what I mean? If that's the, if that's the word I can use valley. No, there's peaks and valleys in life. It, it makes sense. You know, makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, going back to uh, your comedic ability and your stage presence and everything, Um, I do find it ironic that you, because I didn't know you had, I knew you were an anxious person. I didn't know you had it to this measure. And the fact that you're able to just completely brush that off and get on stage with a bunch of like, you know, in these tough rooms and these, the, your, you know, crowds might be a little intimidating in certain spots. It's like, you're able to just handle it. Well, it's what I really want to do. So when I'm in those moments, it's like, if I don't do it right, I'm not, you know what I mean? It's just like, Hey, you just, sometimes you just got to do good. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't, you know, I do bad all the time, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, when I've definitely, when I needed to do good, I feel like I've accomplished the goal. Cause yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, if it's what you want to do, then you, that's the one thing that's expected of you is that you can do it. Yeah. It was so funny because, uh, you know, I was having this crazy. So the first mic I did in the city at where you were at, it was at the pair. And uh, 
it was such a busy day for me because that morning I had the job interview and then I walked all the way from Harold Square to Joey's apartment because I was pissed off at myself. So I walked. And then as soon as I get back, Joey's like screaming at me, you've got to have five minutes right now. We're going to a mic ASAP. And I'm like, like, he's like, do your five minutes for me right here in this living room. And I'm like, dog, like, let me relax a second. And so then we hop in the Uber. I go to the mic. I stink it up at the mic. Obviously, there was a couple of guys that were like cheap laughs. They just wouldn't stop laughing the whole time. I said your name because you're the only guy who I kind of knew, but you didn't know who I, I kind of knew you. And then you're like, don't ever do that again. <laughs> I didn't say that. Did I say that? You're, I said, did you like when I did that? You go, no, I did at all. <laughs> and then uh, and then the second time you saw me was at bats. I sucked it up at bats and that foreign audience. And then the third time at the cupboard, I actually did all right. I disagree. I did bad at the cupboard. <laughs> no, just fucking around. That's why I <laughs> uh, but I got to see you do your thing at uh, at a few different spots, man, and it was uh, it was really cool, man. Just just what because do you, you think of my thing, I'm curious. Like which a, a particular joke, or you just your entire stage? No, presence? no, no. You're, I just I, no, I don't know. I want, I would like to hear what your opinion on uh my stand up. I think. think I think you're a, like, I don't think you're, because I know you're, so I'm trying to draw a comparison to Louie just because I know you love Louie and that's your guide. I'm trying to take notes from that. Um, I don't think, I, I wouldn't say anything like him. No, hold on. Hold, no, I'm not saying like, I'm not saying hey, that. Man, you know, I might be just as good as Louie. You know, I'm right, just, frankly. I'm talking about your inspiration. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So your inspiration from Louie, Louie talks about, uh, he, there's that term edgelord and Louis is not an edgelord because he does it the right way. So you try to take things a step past the line because that's a classic comedy. Like that's what you should do as a comic is like toe the line. So you try to do that in that sense. However, Louis is more animated. You were, you did some act outs, but like you're a cool comic collected on there. Like you're like, you get up there and you do your thing and you're not going to let some drunk idiot say something and it's going to like rattle you. You know what I mean? That is so cool that i'm seen that way while on stage yeah i mean yeah. I, I don't know I, I i my perspective when i see like a, a guy heckling you know some i see a lot of comedians go up on stage and like i thought okay dude i saw one comedian he's a buddy of mine mm -hmm. he did a, a show for an audience of four girls oh boy and he just first thing he did is like he was mean to them. Oh, and he and he was saying like very, very obviously insecure, deeply upsetting things about yeah. his human being, like who he is. He let it all out for them to see, and then, and then uh, the girls were very turned off by this like aggressive behavior. And then he began to do his set <laughs> to them as if he had not even realized who he was just talking to. Like he was so in his head. It was like he wasn't even there anymore. It was like we were it was like we were watching him dance. You know what I mean? Like it's like we were watching him have a freaking panic attack with his words and movements. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then he and then he got off stage and he was like, "Where am I?" 
he got the girls left the show and i completely i told and he's like looking to me for like validation of any kind you're like not like i was like dude i think you're insane yeah <laughs> i think you're a crazy person i think you need a lot of help in areas yeah man so let's talk so i said you had inspiration from louis let's talk about some of the comedy nerd stuff you and i have watched and let's talk about uh some of our favorite guys and uh just like who what other comics we've drawn inspiration from because everyone when they're starting out does an impression of somebody so i'm curious if you did that when you were starting out if you were essentially doing an impression of somebody i don't think i did because i don't know anybody like lou is the only comedian i even knew at, mm -hmm. at, 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 at the, the time, time. yeah yeah so I couldn't definitely, I couldn't I definitely couldn't be copying anybody. I was just being me, whatever that meant. Mm -hmm. I have like I have my first set, and I watch it sometimes. It's very cringy. Oh, I, 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 my evidence is in some private folders. I don't plan on watching it like a lot ever. But, but do you ever? Do you uh, ever like look at a current set from of who you are now? And then like a set from when you and then do you not like get, is it not perplexed like what do you feel that you see this big difference in character inside yourself like outwardly i see a guy who's way more comfortable with the mic in his hand i see guys way more comfortable on stage and i see that's tough because i still don't think i'm like i still don't think i'm like good is the thing so oh yeah no 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 i'm not saying you are right absolutely yeah thanks dean uh but the uh the thing is it's like when i was starting out starting out when i was 21 20 years old um i saw it was all ideas it was all ideas of like what about this what about this what about this and then like now that i'm older it's more into what about this here's an act out to get to here what about this here's here as opposed mm. to all set up back then this is a funny premise Let's move on to the next funny premise and the next funny premise. Now it's funny premise. You have it all. How do you write? Do you write like you do you write with your notes? Like do you actually write down your jokes? We do. Okay. Wow. You're doing the Seinfeld. Yeah. So then later in life, you can make a Netflix special and have them all, have them all on the floor. I thought about doing, I thought about taking a picture of me in my college apartment with nothing but yellow pages. And then I just realized like how tacky that would have been. You think that was actually his yellow pads? There's no fucking way he's always writing on yellow pads. He I think he's written on other things. No, I think he's definitely all on yellow pads, but I don't think those were his jokes. I don't think he would let his jokes get on the street like that. I mean, like it probably wasn't a street, it was a set. Oh, yeah, it's true. Like, it was a set. But there's no fucking way those were all his jokes. And also, I know for a fact he would write jokes on things that are not yellow pads so i don't understand why how do you know so. for a fact though you've seen jerry write things down i knew jerry back in 1947. yeah that was and a good year for you now uh jerry jerome back that's what we called him back then His yeah actually jerome did you know that <laughs> his name's not jerome seinfeld go youtube i mean google it right now i, I swear to you his, his name, name is, is not jerome seinfeld I swear to God, his name is Jerome. <laughs> Dude, look it up. Oh my God, it is. <laughs> Jerome Seinfeld. Jerome Allen Seinfeld. When you hear Jerome and then you think of Jerry Seinfeld, Jerry You're Seinfeld, like, like we know who Jerry Seinfeld is. 
We do not know who Jerome Seinfeld is. That's good. It's true, you know? Because because now that he uses the stage name of a nickname, you know, Jerry Jerome, like, what if, like, he's off stage, he turns it off. He's like, I'm Jerome now. I'm telling you, man, Jerry Seinfeld is a character to some extent. Like, if you, if we were to examine his world and his life outside of stand-up, he's another guy. Everyone kind of is, though. Like, yeah. Yeah, you've seen, you seen Breaking Bad, right? Uh, not a lot of it. You, I know you were trying to get me on it bad, and I was like, dude, I've seen, like, five episodes, maybe. All right, well, um, even though you haven't seen it, basically, you know, basically, there's just, like, these two characters. One I know, suggested. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And like you know, I was watching the I was watching the show, and uh, I noticed in the show, like the show takes place in two years, right? Mm-hmm. And even and so even though Christmas and Halloween and Thanksgiving all exist in this universe, we never see episodes of that. Like we never see Christmas in the Breaking Bad world. That's interesting. Even though it had even though it had to have happened, right? And that's true for every show. You're not always seeing every moment of every character's life. You're just seeing the parts that tell the story that they're telling, right? Like, like when you're, you're when you see two people talking in a scene and then the scene cuts, but it's not like their conversation ended and they just walked away. Like there was more that's insinuated. It's just we're seeing the moment that needed to be seen for the story. I never thought about TV like that. Like once the camera cuts, there's still action. Yeah, I mean, like. What's a show that we both know? Like that I can like a Malcolm in the Middle. You've seen Malcolm in the Middle, right? Damn, no. you suck. I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. Uh what's a show you like? I like Seinfeld. Okay. I like Seinfeld, I like King of Queens, I like Curb. Man, you like all this. You just like, man, you like old white dudes. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. That's what I grew up around, old white dudes. See, have you thought about exploring this and like trying to dive into you know i watched atlanta one time and it was just not for me no <laughs> no uh no i like atlanta i'm trying to think of other shows that i watch what about cartoons you like cartoons i'll wow. put family guy on his background noise jesus what about cartoon cartoons like did you grow up with like ed ed and eddie yeah yeah and spongebob yeah man those shows are fucking so far in the rear view mirror. How does this relate to anything that you're going on about? What was I talking about? Exactly. All right. No, it's because I'm, I'm basically saying that in the sense of like Jerry Seinfeld, right? Like everything we've seen of Jerry Seinfeld. Or, or Jerome. Canadian, or but I'm saying we never, we don't know who Jerome We don't know Jerome. But we don't know Jerome. But Seinfeld's mom and dad know Jerome. You know what I mean? Do his kids know Jerome? You think you think he's Jerome around yeah. the kids? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, when he's not on TV, when anybody's not on stage, they're being themselves. Yeah. But even sometimes when they're in the comedy scene, like they're they're at work, you know, like they're putting on. Oh like, yeah, people don't people turn it on. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're turned on. You know, it's like when you see a TMZ clip of Sean Penn. And he's like, so not Sean Penn that we know. Because that's Sean Penn for real. Sean Penn, the character, is the, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I like to take pride in the fact that I am similar on stage versus off stage. Because 
I work mostly clean. I don't know if you could tell that, but I work mostly clean and like, I don't know, people always have that connotation that like, oh, all those guys that work clean are psychopaths off stage. I'm like, no, I'm just a regular guy. It's kind of my are thing. I like to think I am, but then I'm around people and maybe like a girl I'm seeing or whatever. And they just think like I'm from Mars. Like they just think like I think. What's a regular guy? I don't see. I don't know. How do you know that you are one? I always thought that everybody thought and did the. Here's where my mental makeup comes in. I always thought that everyone, me when I was growing up and even like sometimes now, everyone is doing essentially the same thing that I'm doing, maybe in a different way. But like everyone who's involved in the same things that I am involved in does the same stuff that I do, if not more. And it's because I read a book when I was a kid and this football player, he had that mindset that there's some kid who's younger, better, stronger, whatever, working out more. So in my mind, if I'm not writing, there's some younger, uh, funnier, more handsome, more connections in the industry kid who's writing 20 jokes a day, as opposed to me trying to only write one line, you know? Right, but in this in the, in your context, regular refers to comedian, like regular as in like who you are. Yeah, there's but that's not regular to. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of people doing all kinds of things on the on the regular. Yeah, you know? like my be- one of my best friends is is an engineer. The other one's an accountant. Like they think that's right. regular. And yeah, exactly. That well, all people think that life is what they think it is. Their life is life. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. That's not, that's not how it is. You know, the sun, that's not what it's called. We call it that, but that's not what it is. Like, you get what I'm saying? Like, I like we, how I like how philosophical we're getting. I mean, it's true, though. This is just fact. If, if human beings all died, nobody would call that thing the sun. Nobody does call it the sun. If there's if there are other people out there, they don't even they don't even interpret it like the sun. You know what I mean? Like. Nothing is objective. It's all we design it. Everything, everything you, you and I live in is designed by people. I mean, you know what I mean? Like microphones and podcasting is not how life started. It's Absolutely. We got, we got to this place by creating it ourselves. So we're not really living in a full reality at this point. We've, we've, we've made our own. Just like you can uh, make your own luck with your career, um, which perfectly coincides with the podcast thing you brought up um like you know i'm 25 dean martin didn't have a podcast when he was 25 seinfeld didn't have a podcast when he was 25 you know so it's like it's different avenues yeah back then you didn't need it though right i mean or you couldn't i mean yeah i don't think yeah different what we're gonna do in life in our pursuit of comedy however we're gonna get to our place you know uh it's going to be very different than what they did. And then probably when we're at that place, there will be inevitably a group of young comics on the rise with whole new circumstances. And they're probably going to have to do things that we didn't have to do. I don't know. Do you think, do you think the age of the classic three mics a night, grind, 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 do you think that has sort of dissipated a little bit? Do you think that is, that's not as popular? People are able to bypass certain steps. It's hard to say because on one hand, it's like, I get what you're saying. People are uh, essentially for some most part unmotivated and lazy. 
uh, and I hear a lot of people kind of have that opinion about themselves. And also I just see people not do the work. Right. Yeah. Like, but then I, but then I do see people who do the work, but here's the other thing is sometimes like, just cause you're going to a mic every day does not mean you're doing the work. Yeah. You could phone it in. Yeah. You could just. Dude, I saw a guy who I actually, I, it was so awful that I filmed his set at the mic just for me to have, like, because I wanted it. That's sinister. I, it was a little sinister, bro, because I was getting angry at how bad it was. It was so bad. It was making me frustrated. No, not frustrated. That's an understatement. Livid. And so I recorded the set because I wanted to watch it later and just like understand how a person like this can exist. And then my, literally a friend walks over to me. He's like, what, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm just recording the set. And he's like, why are you recording the set? And I was like, I fucking hate him. And, I, and I, here's what I tell you. Dude, this is what he did. This is what he did. I, I'm really being, I sound like an asshole, but like I care about comedy and don't waste my time. But don't go up there and be a fucking, don't jerk off on what, what, what we're doing, you know? Yeah. He goes, he goes up there, puts the stool backwards, sits in it, and spins very awkwardly and quietly and just like, hey, get it? This is funny because it's bad. I'm that guy. Get it? So it was like all actions? Just actions and no words. And then literally at one point, he starts lip syncing to the music that's in the background. And it's like, do you understand, man, that this is not anti-humor? This is a sad man that like is having a hard time coping with the fact that it's difficult to make people laugh in a room right now. Like, but he's not trying, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, he's not even doing, that's not even like doing the, that's not stand up. That's not doing the art. Exactly. Exactly. So why are you up? Exactly. You're just up there making a, doing a, doing some stupid shit. Right. Making us, making us, making us people who are actually like trying to work on something and like pursue something. Uh, So, what you're saying right now is very reminiscent of talking funny. Uh, I know you've seen that, right? Many times. Yeah. When they're talking about the guy who's singing the song, the yeah, sitting on the dock of the bed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that. It's like Seinfeld's like, good luck with that. You know, like, okay, well, if you're going to do that, you know, good luck. Well, he never said good luck. It was it was actually funny when Louis said it because of the context and how he set it up. But uh, yeah, but I don't know if this is going to be like that because at least that's a guy playing guitar and like having words. Like he wrote words. You oh, so I mean? this guy didn't even say words. He barely. You no, know, he actually pretended to lip sync and then did nothing else. Like, <clears throat> and I was just like, dude, this was a mic. If you can't, yeah, it was a mic. I was like, dude, if you can't even offer me perspective, then just get off. Like, get off. I mean, it's a little bit of me being a jerk, but. The filming the filming of it might have been too far, but I yeah, understand I mean, what you're saying. I'm not going to show anybody. I just filmed it for myself. Like, yeah. I wanted to have it. I want to film. This is a moment I'm experiencing, and I want to film it for later so I can watch it. Like, the like same you're way going to the zoo. It. You just wanted to see. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's just for me. I'm not going to share it. It's just like for my brain to process later and look at and wonder. But now I have to ask this question. Um, who would you say some of your other, like after you've been in the game for a few years, who would you say some of your other comedic inspirations are? Like people you always go back to and, and admire their stuff. 
Okay, so I I uh I really like Nico White. Oh, Nico's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. He's as I've been becoming more of a a man or whatever. Like my he's been there. So I I appreciate him more than any of the other stuff. That album he did with no audience, like the essentially acoustic album, that was really cool. It was really cool. And and a year ago or two years ago, we, we were all very angry at people doing things like that. So the world's changed a lot, you know? Absolutely, man. And so, uh, but he's great. And he's uh, also not just funny, but he's also like, doesn't take shit from anybody and he speaks his mind and it's cool. He, he's a cool guy to be around. That's for sure. Cool. Uh, and he's a good friend, you know, like he'd fight people for you if he cared. You know? That's great. Uh, but he's also very funny. I also think Ricky Velez is very funny. I think that uh, there's certain comics that I, they're not like popular, but I watch them and I, I think they're funny. Uh, this guy, Jeremiah Sher, Sher, I think is his name. He's yeah. always silly. He doesn't necessarily inspire me or anything, but he's always, he's funny. Somebody I, I laugh at a lot of his jokes. I like, I like, I like, I like Chris Rock. Chris Rock is like the coolest comic alive. Yeah, he is super cool, man. Uh, he pops into the stand every now and again, right? I've seen him at the cellar a couple of times. Nice. The other, day, the other day I walked into the cellar and he was performing and I wasn't expecting anything. I was just walking in to see what was going on. And I walk in and I see he's on stage. And I'm like, oh, shit. And then not only did I get the pleasure to watch it, but I was like, they were like, oh, he's going up again around the corner. And I was like, wow, I've never got, I, I, I that's a rare thing. Like maybe not any more so, but for me with him, I mean, to see him live, at all was awesome but then yeah. to see him live in repetition like as a work like to see him working out and studying it was like wow that's so i'm cool. so fascinated by those guys who have already made millions and proven their track record of being hilarious people i'm so interested to see like because i don't i've never seen them like just in the clubs working stuff out like what is that process for them like how can they tell when something really works? Because I feel like the baseline for them is a laugh, no matter what. How can they tell when it works? You know, if it's funny, that's it. If it gets a laugh, that's it. You know. But the if thing is, what I'm saying is, I feel like they're like they're so funny that it feels like most of the stuff like works, no matter what. Like the people love them, the person. I don't know, man. That's not. Here's the thing, dude. I saw, I saw Chappelle recently. Yeah. He did like an hour and a half. And, you know, he definitely didn't mind that everyone loved him because he was Chappelle. You know, like he didn't really try to slow them down. He didn't uh, try to tell them, lower your expectations or any of that stuff. He was kind of more just like, yeah, it's cool. Love me. I'm the man. That's cool. And he told his jokes and he was getting laughs from that momentum as well as the jokes. And then boom and boom and boom and boom and boom and boom. Just but he had one line that didn't get a laugh. Not and it didn't create, but it didn't create an awkward moment. It was just, I mean, it was I felt awkward. Yeah. He didn't feel awkward. And then he just found a way to be funny again. So I don't know how I mean he he but he you know. Daniel Simonson and I were looking at Louis the other day. And is Daniel the guy? Is he Daniel the foreign guy? Yes, from Norway. Yeah, he's good, man. I like him. He's very, very funny. He, uh, 
he and I were watching Louie and he's like, man, how the fuck is she so good? And I was like, oh, he's been doing it a long time, man. Yeah, I don't know why that was my answer. Just like, <laughs> like, like, oh, did you not know? Did you not know? Oh, this guy, Louie? Oh, bro, he's been in the game like for 20 years, bro. He's crazy. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I just didn't know what to say. because so, so then he said, nah, man, that's not why. And then I was like, all right, well, why the fuck you ask me? No, but then he's like, He's like, that's not why, because he's like, people have been doing it for a really long time and still not as funny. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, that's true. So why is he funny? Like, why is he funny? Is it because he's been doing com- comedy a long time or is it for another reason? Is it because he's seen uh, life for a long time? Yeah. Like, and that he has a perspective. That's, I think that's what it is. I think if you're really funny, you're really appreciated if you have a perspective. I have thoughts on this. Continue what you're going to say, but I have thoughts on that. Just that. I mean, babe, that was all it was going to be amounting to was that mm-hmm. you offer a point of view and hopefully you can recognize that what point of views are kind of been done. Yeah. What point of views are more, more true. You know, there's truth is a, it's a hard thing to find sometimes, but that's kind of how I look at it is like, if it wasn't funny, it's because it wasn't true, yeah. or there wasn't like there wasn't anything true about it. Yes, there's like, there's got to be truth in it, absolutely. Like, dude, my friend the other day, this is a great example. My friend and I were driving, and he was talking with his me and his girlfriend, and uh, they were like, "How do you say it? Giro, gyro, euro, you know?" And then they asked me, and they were they were giving all their they were saying all their ways of saying it, and then they asked me, and then I got kind of awkward. And I was like, uh, Fabio, and nobody laughed because it wasn't funny. And then I caught myself being not funny. And then I was like, why did I say that? It, and I said, yeah. you know what it is, guys? I was like, guys, honestly, I've actually never ordered one. And so I've never said it. So I have no opinion. And then they laughed at me saying that because that was what was true. Like, that's that's why I got weird. And I didn't uh. realize how I didn't understand how I like when they asked me, what do I call it? The reason I got all weird and said a dumb thing is because I was awkward about the fact that I, I didn't know how to tell them I don't order these things and I've never done that. Right. And so like, it was like a moment to like learn in perspective, like how, if you learn, if, if you just know how to articulate, that's what it is. If you have a perspective, if you're able to articulate it, that's what people are going to like. I like that. Um, it, it's always got to have a hint of truth to it. It also has to have some realness to it. And you have to like, you have, it has to relate to you. Like people have to see, like feel like they can relate to you and connect with you. Those are the people that sell out MSG or the guys who make it relatable to them. So um, Kevin Hart, when he was like uh, an opener, maybe a feature guy in the middle, but like, uh, you know, an, uh, just he's finally getting the ball rolling, but he's not like big time. Okay. Um, he was at this comedy club in Philly and his mentor, uh, you know, and him talked about Kevin Hart, like you knew him from back in the day. What's that? You talked about Kevin Hart, like you knew him from back in the day. (laughs) Well, me and Kev came up to me and Kevin, big J came up together. It was all three of us. They didn't talk about that. I was actually in the back seat of that car from Philly to New York every day hitting mics. They didn't, they didn't reference me. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, but uh, so so Kev's standing outside with his mentor, and he told the story in a podcast. So I'm just relaying it. He uh, he's standing outside with his mentor after a show, and his mentor is talking to these fans, and the fans come up to Kev, and they're like, "Hey, you were really funny tonight." 
and the mentor goes, oh, you think he was funny? What's his name? Hmm. Crickets. Nothing. They didn't know his name. And the mentor said, you have to tell a story and you have to make it relatable to you. So, yeah, they knew him as the funny guy. And comics are funny people. And people may know you say, hey, you were really funny tonight after a show. They don't know your name. They don't really know a particular thing about you. They can't relate. They just know you as funny guy number 3000. That's true. Name is important. Also, it's also important because if someone's like, hey, who's funny? And you're like, oh, I know this one guy, but I don't know how to message him because I don't know his name. Yeah. You know, the guy that uh, he made the joke about the mask, how uh, he's on a date with a girl. She took it off. It's a different person. You know, he's all right. That's a joke of mine. Yep. Uh, that's inside baseball right there. I did. Yeah. I was hosting my show last night, the show I produce. And uh, Alex, my co-producer, wanted to put up this comedian, Chris Cheney. Mm-hmm. And I and uh, our, the comedian that got on uh, that the comedian before Chris got off stage early and I ran up in a frantic energy and I don't really know Chris Cheney. And so I was up on stage, fucking biding my time, trying to figure out how the fuck am I going to get out of this situation? Cause I got to bring up this dude whose name I don't know, but he's next. And I mean, he's right there standing there. You didn't remember his I, name. I didn't remember his name <sighs> and I didn't get a chance to ask him. And now I was in front of everybody and I was trying to figure out how am I going to navigate the situation so that it's not weird. And so I was just like, guys, can I be really honest with you, please? Like, can you just not be weird? Can this be like the one thing I get tonight? There's a comedian who's on the show through one of my co-producers that I think is a great guy, but I just don't remember his name. And then they laughed. And because it was just me being really honest. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like guys, it's nothing against him. And he knows that, I swear to you. You know, we met a year and a half ago. A whole pandemic has happened. We just caught up outside. I think he's great. He's super fucking hilarious. I just don't fucking know his name. And then, like, I got a big, big laugh. And I was like, dude, let's just not make it weird. Dude, just tell me your name, and I swear I will bring you up to some good shit. And he's like, Chris Cheney. I was like, hell yeah, dude. I've known that guy for years. That's good. Laugh too. That's good. Like, guys. Come to the stage, a name that you all should know. That's Chris. good. Dude, so like perfectly. That's good. So to me, you know, I wasn't like getting, I think comedians try to like, I don't know what a comedian is thinking when they're in their head and like they're kind of lost and not being funny. Well, if comedian has to think, if it, it, so I hate to cut you off, but like, so I have that baseball background and when like the really good hitters, are the ones that kind of have an idea of what's coming before it gets thrown at them, as opposed to the really bad hitters are the guy who's are the guys who are thinking as they're about to, like, as the pitch is being thrown, they're like, what is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? And it's like comedians get in their own head, but those really good ones, it's just natural. They know what to do. I think what it was though, again, it was like, I was just able to articulate what was the truth, mm-hmm. which, which was like, I don't know his name and I'm, I feel really bad and I'm nervous because if I bring him up and I don't know who he is, it's going to be really awkward. So, and you made it real and you made it about you and that's, and that worked. This is all coincides. Yeah. It makes sense. The reason we like the comedians that we like is, is because we feel like we know them because mm-hmm. they let us know them. I love Maniscalco. I feel like I grew up in his Italian family. I bet if you met him in person, you'd probably like see him the way that you see him. 
but then all of a sudden you'd see he's a different guy entirely yeah like i i've seen seinfeld in person i love jerry but if i met jerome i'm telling you dude whole another ball game jerome is like the heisenberg yeah he's the teacher he's the teacher yeah Yeah. see i know some breaking bad bro you have to watch the i don't know how you i don't know how anybody could watch the show because comedians are contrarians at heart and i was a contrarian about the show everybody was on the show so i was off it when they zigged i zagged man i mean but it is so inevitably amazing yeah i guess it's just uh all right i mean i've been watching i've been watching old episodes of robin big lately you like that show I have never even heard of that show. See, this is an old reality show on MTV from the mid 2000s. Uh, Professional skateboarder and his bodyguard living together, getting into hijinks and antics. And it's a lot of fun. It's a funny show. Huh. Maybe we can watch it together after Kids Next Door. All right. I have season three on DVD. I don't have seasons one and two on DVD. I want to get them for the commentary. I love the commentary on DVDs. Hey, hey, well... I don't know. Well, we can watch eventually commentary, but I, I think it's better to watch the show without the commentary. Don't you think? Yes. Dude, the commentary for Step Brothers. Have you seen? You like Step Brothers? Uh, yeah, I love Step Brothers. Have you seen the commentary? No. I would it's do a, that. That'd be cool. I don't want to ruin it for you. I'm not going to tell you any of the jokes, but like the big bit is it's a musical. <laughs> They sing, they sing the commentary the whole time. That's pretty funny. I'm almost positive it's that one. Yeah. But uh, let's, let's talk about um, another show like that we really like, and then we'll, uh, we'll let you go unless we get rolling on something else. But I really want to talk about the green room with Paul Provenza. You've seen a couple of those episodes. Yes, I have. I have. Yes. And um, you said the couple of the guys you mentioned, Patrice, uh, Bo Burnham, and who's the other one? Uh, Bill Burr. Bill Burr, yeah. Bill Burr, okay, so all those, all three of those are different episodes. Um, yeah. We'll start. I wish I could have saw those three guys together. That would have been sick. There's a couple episodes I've yet to watch just because I really don't care for any of the people in the lineup. Dude, uh-huh. it's, always a, it's always like one comic I really, I'm really excited about, and then a bunch of guys that I'm like, I'm okay yeah. with. But but uh, uh, Colin Quinn was in Bill Burr's episode, so yeah, he was cool. Yeah. Um. So the Bo Burnham episode, the one thing that stands out in my mind with the Bo Burnham episode, everybody now that like Bo had that special come out, I didn't watch it, but um, the the clip that always gets posted online is from that show where he's playing Art is Dead live in front of all these people you know and everyone has their own thoughts about it but that's not what stands out to you and that's not what stands out to me either i did that backwards that's not what stands out to me and that's not what stands out to you either so the moment that stands out to me in that show is when he they like you know everybody's chatting and paul's like oh bo hasn't spoken in a while you know bo what do you think of all this and bo he's like 21 at the time i think or something and he's like he's like oh I have to speak for all the young people, you know, who are you guys? And it's all of those legends, you know what I mean? And Gary Shandling, like Ray Romano's there, Mark Maron, Gary Shandling, Judd Apatow, they're all right there. And Gary Shandling just looks at him and he just does this. And that's really what I want in my career is just one of those nods from a comic I admire. It's just like, this guy gets it. He's in the club. I just want to be in the fraternity, you know? It is. It's exactly like that. And then Gary is like, it's so good. It's so good because it's so 
mutual. It's so mutual. <laughs> and it's like, he's like, see, I still got one more than you. I got one better than you. Dude, those moments are fun. Isn't it great, though, that like, isn't it kind of, it says a lot about life, dude. Like, we're talking about how much we admire this thing. And it's just people. Yeah, you know? and, and the show literally lasted two seasons. Like, no one watched it. I mean, what, that, yeah, which is unfortunate because it's a great concept for a show. I think I wish they should keep bringing. Do they have all these dumb fucking shows like select, like roast battle and stupid shit like that? But like, you get a bunch of comedians in a room making people laugh and being smart and interesting, and you cancel Absol- that show. Absolutely, bro. That's fucking crazy, dude. The uh, the but yeah, you know, it's those backroom hangs, man. It's those good hangs. Um, the Patrice moment when him and uh. <laughs> him and Bob Saget are really funny on that. And he's just like, Bob, you're white. Talk about white stuff. And like, it is so funny, man. And then Patrice catches Bob. He's like, wait, 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 Bob, Bob, Bob. Say some shit. Attached to the shit he just said. <laughs> That's, say something. Attached to me. Yeah, absolutely. And he's talking about, he's talking about Obama. He goes, he said uh, something about hope. Like, like, I, I forgot what he said. He said something about Obama and had the crowd rolling, I think. I don't remember that part, but I, I, I like the Bob Saget moment with that because I swear to God, I've been Bob Saget in that moment to some comedians, you know? And it's like a, it's like a sign of ingenuine behavior on Bob Saget's end. So it's interesting that Patrice calls him out on that, like on TV. It's just so cool, dude. Comedy is the best. Attached to what he just said. That's so yeah. good, man. Basically calling him out for saying you're not paying attention. You have you're you're not a part of this and you're being a selfish asshole. That's what that's what I think Patrice was saying to Bob Sag. I never wow, I just took it for face value. I just took it as a funny line. I'd never looked at it really deep that like Bob was just going off. Well, why would he say that? Like he must have his reason. And I if I can relate to it to my situation, because that literally has happened to me. You know, we should we should do a thing where we would just watch it and we like break down character development. You know what I mean? That'd be fun. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Well, um, it's very likely I moved to New York by the end of the month. Really? So. Hey, do you well, need a room? I am pretty. I have one pretty much lined up. I haven't given them the confirmation because I'm waiting on this job to offer to be set in stone. It's not in stone right now. It's looking likely, but I'll probably just take the like. I'll probably just go up. Anyway. What's your rent? What are you What are you paying? Fifteen. Hundred? Hundred? Yeah. Yeah, dude. You could live with me for eight fifty. In Queens, though. Queens is great. It's so close to Manhattan. I go to Manhattan all the time. You know how I live. I'm a I'm a comedian. I live in Queens. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I get that, Dean. I get that. But also, like, you know, you don't have a you don't drive, right? At all. No, and the seven train takes me everywhere. What was it? Train. What was the what was the thing you're like? I'll come over if you could take me home or whatever. You're like, yeah, Joey, I'll come over if you could give me a ride home. Yeah, because I just didn't feel like taking a... I didn't feel like it, but I could, is what I'm saying. Ah, okay. There, there are nights where I don't feel like doing all that. Like, especially if I'm going out of my way to do something. You know, like, I'm going to Joey's house to hang out. That's it's pretty up there. That's where, I, that's where I'll be, is a couple blocks up from Joey. Yeah, plus that neighborhood. That's such a fucking... I have no reason to go to that neighborhood, except for Joey's house. So if I can ever get a ride... I like the neighborhood, if I'm being honest. I like it. I have no reason to go there, though. I would. Why would I go there? Like, to do what? Just to be there? I mean, I would yeah. go, you know, I would, no, actually, yeah, that's not that neighborhood. Yeah, I got nothing. Cigar Inn. That's the only thing I would do there. I think the comic strip 
is up there. Yeah, but I don't really perform there anymore. I know. I don't think a lot of people do, which is sad. Oh, it's all good. But uh, the Bill Burr, we have talked about the Bill Burr episode. Uh, So you have the great uh, Tony Clifton. Tony Clifton is... Yeah, it was really weird. Was that guy part of the show, or was he? Just you don't know who that is at all. I know, I know who it is. I know, I know what the idea, but like, who was really the guy that night, and why was he doing that? Oh, I don't know who was playing Tony that night, but I think it was probably just an homage to Kaufman. Yeah, but was he doing it in like for like was he doing it with the show, or was he doing it against the show's wishes? They had him mic'd up. They had him mic'd up. Uh, yeah, but maybe he got kicked out. I don't know. I mean, he got kicked out, but. It, the funniest line, he, he, like, Bill Burr, like, obviously killed it. Colin Quinn killed it. But, like, the funniest line of that whole thing is Tony Clifton. His neck is, like, on the table. And, and he's like, I, can I just say something? Can I say something? If I made one person laugh, I did my job. <laughs> and Colin Quinn just starts dying, man. I actually, I actually really like that idea. I, I really like that idea of us watching it and breaking it down. But those guys are pros and i'm not a pro so i don't know if people would like that you just got to be interesting on your own end there's no pro there's just being the best most of yourself there's pro. Know how to, all, all, all the pros if they're pros all, all the only thing that they're really good at is being able to articulate what they think so you have a lot of thoughts it's not like your thoughts are going to get better or anything you're just going to get better at talking about yourself that's true get better at verbalizing it you know yeah, you, you, you already are who you are, but you got to figure out more of that and like access more of it. I am who I am on and off stage. I'm not Jerry and Jerome. I'm Franklin both through and through, except the show's name Franco, so it doesn't matter. Anything you'd like to chat about before we get out of here, Dean? Nah. All right. Love it. <laughs> Plain and simple. But uh, tell, plug some stuff, man. Tell the people about what you got going on. Well, I just started producing my uh, show again, Aggressively Chill. It's at Gold Sounds Bar in Brooklyn every Tuesday at 8 o'clock. Yesterday was the first one, and it was my birthday. And we had a fucking awesome time. And, like, everyone got high, and everyone was doing drugs, and everyone was getting drunk, and people were having a fucking blast, and audience members were drinking, drinking shots. And It's a big party, it sounds like. It was a big party, and everyone saying happy birthday for me. My girlfriend was there, and she was the best. She made my entire night. Wow, I don't think you had a girlfriend when I saw you last. I did not. This, this might be good for you. I think this is good for you. Hey, man, she's she's the best. She's in the other room. I want her to know that I'm saying it. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. She's the best. Sarah's the best. I hope she hears this. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, Dean, thank you for uh, for coming on here. And I'm glad we uh, share this mutual appreciation for the art. Oh, you. The one thing, the one thing, the one thing, the one word, you know, the one word we were at that bar, whatever on the street corner. And I looked at you, Joey, Joey's friend brought a billion friends and you and I couldn't get a word in edgewise. And we just looked at each other and we did the classic. You know what it is. I, I remember the moment. I don't know if I know the word. The Chris Rock Seinfeld. Oh, comedian. Comedian. That's it, baby. So you're a great comic, man. I'm pumped to see what happens for you in the future. Uh, everybody follow Dean. Where do they follow you at? Just Instagram, Dean David 95 if they want to. 
Yeah, they will. I think you'll get a couple. But hey, anyways, thank you guys for listening and watching this episode. I'm Franklin Miller. Remember to uh, like and subscribe to the show. Do a lot of stuff. Keep taking care of yourselves. And I will see you when I see you. And I hope you have a great day.